folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am so excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Phoenix Suns in Game 5 to take a 3-2 series lead. Really excited about this one, really. Uh, this is just a, such an important moment for Denver in their history. It's such an important moment for Denver and then just in this season to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that you do get. Uh, what a big win last night for the Nuggets. It was extremely important for them to get this one done and so glad that they were able to do it. Didn't feel like it, didn't feel like they would at, at various points. And then when they ultimately gave up that first quarter lead in the second quarter, uh, I thought that they were cooked. I, I thought that they were in a really bad place uh, at, at, at different points and to the agenda, the things things not going necessarily great with Jamal Murray in that first quarter. Uh, he turns it around in the rest of the game, and, and we don't necessarily have to talk about that as a talking point, but uh, still excited to be able to see what the Nuggets have been able to do. And like, look, this is what Denver does at home. They've been dominant at home the entire season. They've been dominant at home in the playoffs. Really haven't had that many close games in the playoffs at home. Like All of these games have been pretty substantial, pretty solid wins. And it is really cool to see them in this position where, yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. Uh, yeah, my eyes. Uh, I've been I've been staring at screens a lot of this this playoff run, man. It's it's not great. I uh, I have not been blazing, but uh, I I understand if you think so. Uh, yeah, my eyes are are extremely sensitive to technology, and during the playoffs, like that is that's just what's going to happen. Is is you you've got to like I'm staring at my computer screen. I'm staring at like all all of this shit. But like it it is what it is. Not. Uh, not too worried about it, unfortunately, but, um, we have a great opportunity here for the Nuggets. The Nuggets are in a great place. Them being able to take that one and take it in the manner that they did, where it really wasn't a contest by the end of this, uh, that's exactly what the team needed from a physical standpoint, from the, uh, from the that they like this team is an eight man rotation. They have not played a ton of guys. Jokic has a lot of pressure on him. Murray, Porter, Gordon, those guys have a lot of pressure on them. Getting it a really nice and easy win helps you mentally prepare for what could be a war in game six. There, there's a lot to discuss there for sure. I have no doubt that it's going to be extremely difficult for Denver to get that win. They can. They, they, there's no doubt in my mind that they can. But them being able to roll in this one is so incredibly important. I'm really, really excited about the direction that they've gone and about how this series has turned. So we will see what it looks like. Um, yeah, Richard, where is that Suns fan that was absolutely hanging around like they're hanging out uh, in all of these podcasts with me? And in all these podcasts, trying to to rile up the chat, but that's uh, that's not what's happening now. So really great to see, really great to see Denver in the position that they are. And the reason that they're in this position is because of Nikola Jokic. Like he is unbelievable. Everybody knows this. I'm not breaking any news here. I tweeted out a meme. <clears throat> excuse me. I tweeted out a meme last night 
during the game, like Jokic when when Jokic is two of nine versus when Jamal's one of six, and it's funny because I everything I do now it's associated with a jinx, and as soon as I tweeted that out, Jokic goes eight of his next eight from the field, and he because he didn't start great like the, the some of the some of the plays that he had I was on the opposite basket or like behind the opposite basket basically so. I didn't see all of the angles in terms of like were those tipped in fouls like that they that he was missing were those opportunities that he would usually make he missed a couple jumpers that he usually makes things like that but in general like he turned it around and was still having that amazing impact that he always has and it's just so funny that like even even in his worst games even when when he's not playing well you know that he can turn it around in the blink of an eye because he's that level of player and Turns it around and has 29 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists, uh, had a steal and two blocks. Just just unbelievable. And from that point where he was two of nine in that, I think it was midway through the second quarter, he finished the game 12 of 20, if I'm not mistaken. So he went 10 of his next 11. That's nuts. Like, that's just unbelievable. Like, it's just so... It's got to be so frustrating for the Suns that they have zero answers. Like, there, there is nobody that they can go to in these situations because the guy that they thought would have an answer, DeAndre Ayton, clearly does not. Like, Jokic has put Ayton in a body bag in this series. And it's super cool to see that after what happened in 2021, where Murray creating a little bit of extra space for Jokic, that helps. Porter being a better version of himself, KCP being a good fit, AG being more integrated. I think that all of those things have helped out Jokic a little bit. But the most important thing is that Jokic is just a better player than where he was two years ago when he won his first MVP. He is a better basketball player. The stats, whatever, like they may be whatever they are. I I think that he has better numbers. I think that he's, uh, I think that he's actually putting up better numbers, at least marginally. But the most important thing is the mentality. The most important thing is him picking and choosing his spots and understanding this is exactly the pressure point that I have to push. And he does it so well every single time. It is the growth in his game that he's understood how like these things go, how these things work after another couple of years of seasoning, after another couple of years of, hey, he failed in the 2022 playoffs, not by his own volition, but the team failed. And I just do think that Jokic is so much of a better player and, and understanding of the moment and uh, just better than, than he was. And, and now like he, he's not exhausted as well. Like, remember in that 2021 season, he was exhausted carrying the team for 72 out of 72 games after the bubble. And when Murray wasn't playing great at the beginning of that year, and then Murray tore his ACL towards the end, Porter still trying to step up. Denver was in flux. Like Denver still figured some things out, and they were a three seed in 2021. But Jokic had to do a carry job for a lot of that season, and when nobody else in the NBA was able to do that, just given the short turnaround. So he's in a much better place physically for this series than he was for that last series, and it really shows. Like he is beating Aiton up and down the floor. He is posting him up. He is putting seven footer Kevin Durant under the stanchion when he's sealing him on these post-ups. And it's just so cool to see him take this moment and, and to really uh, shine, like shine out there like this. He, he has been unbelievable. And like, credit to him. Like, I, I posted the meme 
because you know that he's going to turn it around anyway. It's it's like he's not like he's he's just unbelievable, guys. Like it's it's amazing. Uh, Jamal Murray started really really slow in this game, like like borderline unplayable slow <laughs> the way that he was the way that he was rolling out there some of the decisions that he was making were wild some of the passes that not not passes but like some of the shots that he was taking were out of control uh defense was better he was more aggressive on the defensive end and played a better game in general on the defensive end but it took a while for his offense to get back to the place where it needed to be and and he started the game 1 of 6 i think he was actually 1 of 7 but Ultimately turned that around with six of nine after going one of six. And I thought that the game changed for him when Landry Shanna came in because the Suns needed more spacing. They needed not Josh Okogie on the floor. They needed Landry Shamit out there. And in the first five minutes, Jamal went at Landry Shamit every single time, abused him, taunted him, drew a technical foul because of it, but he was in his bag and It got his game going, but it also got the rest of the teams going as a result because he was setting up Jokic. He set up Michael Porter Jr. for a corner three. He played an all-around better game, a more holistic game in this one. And it didn't look like he was trying too hard to be the scoring match. And that's fantastic. Like That's what you need from Jamal. You do not need him to try to match Devin Booker. You do not need him to try to match... Kevin Durant's like that's that's not who he is and that's okay like Devin Booker's playing at the top three level in the NBA right now Devin Booker or uh, Kevin Durant playing like top five top ten I love Jamal I think he's great I don't think he's a top ten guy I never have thought he's a top ten guy he has moments where he can look like the best player on the floor but he doesn't always have to do that And, and him being able to pick and choose his spots a little bit more in this in this game was super helpful like Bruce Brown being good. Um, just a second. Sorry about that. The uh, the air kicked on. Um, but like Bruce Brown being as good as he was, Michael Porter being as good as he was in this game, Aaron Gordon finding his spots, like Jokic, of course, dominating the way that he does. It has been better for Jamal to take fewer shots. I, I told this to. Uh, I told this to Matt Moore. I think that Jamal's ceiling should be about 20 shots a game. Like, I, I don't think that it should be any higher than that. And he took 29 in game three, 25 in game four, and it felt like he was dominating the ball a lot. But more than anything, he got off the ball a little bit more in this game, and, and he wasn't stressed in this game. And there was one play where Denver had to take the ball out from under their basket, and they immediately passed it to Aaron Gordon. And, and, Jamal passed it to Aaron Gordon and ran up to the front court and, and did not try to mess around with, with dribbling through Landry Shamit's guarding and dri- dribbling around him and trying to break the press. Like, don't have to mess with it. There's no reason for it. Like, everything that he's doing now, like, I think it's got to be about making things easier for himself and making things easier physically because – Denver needs him to be at his best physically. It's hard coming off of a torn ACL, and like he's still trying to figure that out. But uh, he's like it was much better after he rolled his ankle after Landry Shamit came into the game and he started talking trash. And he needed that. I think everybody needed that. I needed that. My agenda was on the line, folks. But no, it was, it was good to see Jamal kind of turn things around a little bit. I thought he ended up playing a solid game. 
not a great game. I'm not, I'm not here to be delusional here, but it was a solid game. And that's, that's what you need when you have other guys that can step up too, based off of your style of play. Next, Michael Porter Jr. Then we'll actually, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. Then we'll hit a break. Started fast. Michael Porter Jr. was unbelievable in this one, getting them going very early. And it was clear that the Nuggets were looking for him early on in this game, too, where you knew that Michael Porter Jr. had to be involved more than, than he was previously. I think in the last two games, had to pick and choose his spots a little bit more. Denver called his number several times, and it was great to see. It was great to see him do that because, uh, in general, like Denver, they need him to be the spacer. They need him to be the special shooter that nobody can leave. You have to account for him. But he can do more than that because of the off-ball cutting, because of the uh, the transition play. There, there's a lot that he can do on the offensive end that, that Denver hadn't really featured for the first two games. But it was nice to see him step up in this moment in that first quarter, had 14 of his 19 points in the first quarter, and got Denver off to that double-digit lead uh, he when Jamal was playing like hell and, and Jokic wasn't playing his best. And that's it's so important for guys to step up in those moments, especially at home. We'll see what happens on the road. We'll see what happens in game six tomorrow. But I do think that Michael Porter Jr., he, he showed up in a big, big way. Uh, I also think that and he's getting a lot of credit for this nationally and, and locally. Michael Porter Jr.'s defense has taken a step forward and when he is rotating the way that he is, when he's contesting the shots early, whether it's against Aiton on the roll, whether it's uh, isolation defense against Booker, whether it's helping on Kevin Durant, his length and his athleticism and his his brain have, have improved so much in terms of understanding where to be and how to best affect the game. And it's exactly what you need. That's like, You can't... You have to be able to always have other things that you can do other than shooting. And for a long time for Porter, it was, hey, if the shot's not going in, what else is he doing? Now he's defending all the time. And now if you're getting the defense all the time and the shooting, then you've got an, an elite two-way player that you're talking about. And I'm not going to confuse him with Clay Thompson here because he, while he does while he does shoot extremely well, and while he has improved defensively, he's still not quite to that level yet. But he's different. And he has these, like, every single time that he gets going, it's a backbreaker for the defense because they can't account for him all the time. It's just not an, it's not possible for them to. So when he does that, it feels like Clay Thompson because it's like, oh, okay, you had to deal with Steph and Draymond consistently. And then you're now having to deal with Clay. Holy cow. That's a, that's a, Tough proposition if you're the other team. Now, we will see what it looks like in this next game, but Michael Porter Jr. deserves a lot of credit. 28 points in this one. Uh, he had 19 points as well, but only on 7 of 11 shooting. Extremely efficient. 5 of 8 from 3. Also had 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1 steal. Like, it's not just the shooting. He's plus 24. Murray's plus 23. AG, who we'll talk about next, is plus 27. Like, it's just a lot to love about where Denver's at and, and the kind of contributions that they're getting from everybody outside of Jokic. Really great stuff from this Nuggets group. All right, let's take a break. 
when we come back, we are going to talk about AG and KCP as well as the bench, which had no changes. And I was, I was kind of surprised about that. But in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Baseball is back and the push for postseason is on for hockey and for hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, or wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. You can. It'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on the audio side if you're listening there. If you're listening on the YouTube side, make sure to give us a like on the MHS YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel. We are almost at uh, – we're, we're, we're going to try to get to 2K subscribers by the end of this thing. I'm, I'm doing what I can to help boost the channel. Like We're, we're doing some crazy things over here at MHS, and I, I think that – it's important to capitalize on this time where, where Denver's playing as well as they are. So it would be fantastic if you could like, comment, and subscribe on the video as well. All right. Aaron Gordon and KCP. Uh, save these guys for their own part here at the beginning of the second segment because it is important to be able to talk about them and the defense that they provided in this game. It's not just because... KD and Devin Booker missed shots. Like, that's not just it. It's the way that Denver was defending them. It was the way that they were pressing up into them, forcing them to drive every single time. You do not want them to get comfortable as jump shooters. That's the last thing you want to do. One of the things that Michael Malone spoke about in the postgamer was that they came together as a collective in a film session and decided, no, we are not giving them the easy stuff. That's that they're getting too many easy things. KCP, everybody else who's guarding Devin Booker, if he's got the ball, pressure him full court. Full court pressure. Like that's that's the way to do it. You have to make him work. You've got to turn him. You've got to make sure that he's starting the play and that the Suns are starting their plays from at the 15 second mark or the 13 second mark or whenever. Not at the 17 or 18 second mark because the earlier the offense that they have, the more likely they are to score because they've just got more time and they, they've got more time to break down Denver's defense. And so it was a great thing that Denver did. And Jamal said post-game, hey, like just guard them the way that they guard me. <laughs> that's that's a great point because the way that Jamal has had to deal with that pressure full court, the Nuggets have had to adjust. Like They decided, hey, we're going to give the ball to AG a couple times. We're going to give the ball to Jokic a couple times. And it's not just going to be on Jamal to bring the ball up the court every single time because it does tire him out when they guard him full court like that. Now, Devin Booker, I think, is in better shape right now. And he's, he's just better conditioned physically because he doesn't have to come off of a torn ACL for one thing. Uh, but he's dealt with that. And, and he, he dealt with that probably better than Jamal did in this last game, the full court pressure. But they also did cause an eight-second violation right at the beginning of the game 
KCP got caught, like he got popped in the face on, I think, the first defensive possession, which is hilarious. And, and there's just a lot of that where like, you're going to be more physical. Things are going to happen. You're going to try to cause a little bit of chaos. And did that wear down Devin Booker? And it, was that the reason why Devin Booker only shot, what, 8 of 19 from the field? Maybe. Now, Booker also shot 4 of 7 from 3 and 8 of 9 from the free throw line. So it's not like he had a bad game, but he didn't have a great one. And that's the most important thing is that he had been playing like Michael freaking Jordan for the last two games. And Denver needed him to not do that. They needed him to be a little bit less effective. And I do think that the physicality, I do think that the full court pressure, the way that Denver was defending them was important. And Denver was pressing up into him a lot. And they also, there were these actions that the Suns were running. It was, uh, I think there were double drags a lot of the time. And what Denver decided to do this time around was anytime they tried the double drag with KD setting the first screen and then Aiden or Landale setting the second screen for Booker, they would have AG and KCB switch in that action. And so AG would then be on Devin Booker. You've got a 6'8 guy who's playing great defense, defending on ball, and that's not the worst thing in the world. You don't have to have KCP get through a second screen in order to actually guard that action. And I think it benefited Denver. I think that AG, the way that he's playing and the way that the Nuggets are trying to guard it, it was the right call. And so Denver was able to get that done on Devin Booker specifically, and KCP deserves a lot of credit. Aaron Gordon deserves a lot of credit. Those guys were fantastic defensively in this game deserve so much benefit. Uh, I think that it's going to be fascinating to see what the Suns do in Game 6. They're, they're probably going to get better shooting performances from both KD and Devin Booker. And AG and KCP will probably, it'll probably look worse in general. But that's okay, because you got the win that you needed here, and... Then you're going to have your stars try to take over in game six, and they might be able to survive that. Like, Denver was so close in games three and four, but now it feels like they have at least a little bit of a handle on hey, we can slow him down by doing this. We could slow, we could change up their offense by doing that. And with AG and KCP, there's a lot that they can do that they hadn't been doing on the road. So, uh, but I do want to give Aaron Gordon his flowers too. KCP, I've Deserves a ton of credit for the way that he was handling it. Aaron Gordon deserves a ton of credit for the way he's defended Kevin Durant in this series. Some of the shots that he is contesting on Kevin Durant, whether it's from three, whether it's from the mid-range, he is contesting at the top at the top of a Kevin Durant jumper. Where Kevin Durant, when he jumps up in the air and has that high release that he always has. Like it's, it's impossible to block the shot. It's very, very rare that somebody actually blocks the shot, which makes what Bruce Brown did in game two, I think, that much, that's what, that much more impressive. But AG, every single time that Kevin Durant is getting into his shot motion, he is at the top contesting that shot every single time. And I think it's wearing down KD a little bit. Now, he's still elite, and he's still going to make those plays. But the way that these guys have shown up in this game, like this game last night, that gave me confidence that they can do it again. It, they don't have to do it perfectly. They've still got to avoid foul trouble if they can. But contesting at the top, making things hard is really, really important. Michael Porter switched on. Jamal Murray switched on. Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, obviously. I'll talk about them just a little bit here. But 
everybody switched on to those guys, and they did a fantastic, uh, they did a fantastic job. So really, really impressive to see uh, those guys step up in this situation. Next, bench lineup. No changes. I was surprised about this. I did not expect this. Uh, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon. Uh, I tweeted out that Jeff Green was coming into the game. And I think a lot of people were very concerned. A lot of people were very confused. In the end, here are Jeff Green's numbers. 16 minutes, 4 points, 2 of 4, 0 of 2 from 3. Missed a couple open threes, but that is that is what it is. 2 rebounds, 2 assists, minus 3. Folks, you can deal with a minus 3. That's that's okay. Especially when the, when the starters... Let me just list off these starters plus minuses again. Jokic plus 18, KCP plus 18, Murray plus 23, Porter plus 24, and AG plus 27 for Aaron Gordon. Uh, when Jeff Green's out there, he's only a minus three. When you've got those plus minuses, you're going to be okay. Like it's, I know that everybody was getting used to the fact that the bench was also a plus. It's not usual for the bench to be a plus. Like You, you, could, you could be okay if they're in between like a minus one and minus five. Any lower than that, and you start to have some questions, but this is perfectly fine. And, and the way that the bench, I think, handled this, especially in the second half, was really, really good. Uh, Jamal, Bruce, Christian, Jeff, and AG. A lot of guys stepping up in those moments. Jamal, I think, in the first half, not good. It's really like He did set up Jeff for a couple of open threes, just didn't get those to drop. That's okay. Like Sometimes that happens. Uh, but Bruce Brown, like Bruce Brown, absolutely. Take a bow. Like, I think that this was his best performance in the Nuggets unit. I think that the way that he stepped up and, and took some pressure off of Jamal as a secondary creator, as somebody who, when he had the advantage, never let it go. He was aggressive and downhill and attacking every single time. And for him to do that, and for him to be as efficient as he was, for him to be as effective as he was, not turning the ball over, it was very, very impressive. Here are his final numbers. <clears throat> 27 minutes, 25 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 9 of 10 from the line. 9 of 10! Like, that's amazing. And him being able to get downhill like that, attacking the rim, he drew fouls on KD and Devin Booker and other guys in transition, like always pushing the tempo, always pushing the pace, and never giving them an opportunity to breathe at all. That's a big deal. Also had five rebounds, one assist, one steal, only one turnover for Bruce Brown, which is just such a big deal. Like when you have a guy that wants to be aggressive, when you have a guy that wants to be downhill, I think of Russell Westbrook in a lot of those situations where when Russ tries to get aggressive, he'll get a little bit wild. He'll get a little bit uh, out of whack. Bruce did not do that. Bruce, during all of this postseason, has done a great job of avoiding turnovers for the most part. Sometimes he'll lose the ball. Sometimes it'll be a weird decision, like he had a weird pass one time. But for the most part, Bruce has just been a great decision maker and a great aggressive downhill creator. He's benefiting from the open space, whether it's Jokic on the court, where he'll be at the top of the key, or he'll have a lane where he can just knife easily to the basket, or if it's with Jeff Green and AG out there where the paint is completely open. Like the opposing team is not really crashing the paint in that situation. Uh there's a lot to like 
about where Bruce Brown's game is right now. And he stepped up in such a big way, had the Landry Shamit game against the Suns. That's a really, really big deal. Sorry, got some. Uh, need to actually let me drink some. <clears throat> Folks, my body is rejecting the playoffs. It is rejecting things right now. I'm, I I don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> I don't really like it. Um, but no, Bruce Brown takes a ton of credit. Uh, he was very very good in this one, and just absolutely deserves all of the. All of the praise, everything possible. He he absolutely deserves it. Denver's not going to be able to keep him this offseason. Like they're they're just not. He's making so much more money than what Denver can absolutely offer him. But it has been really cool to see him take advantage of this moment, be a great, great piece to what Denver is doing. And if he was able to be a part of things for Denver going forward, that would be awesome because he he should be a nugget. He he's the perfect six man. For this team, I didn't know if that was what I was going to expect. Uh, there were times during the regular season that I didn't really expect that, but he has stepped up in such a big way, and I'm really happy with with where this has gone. Uh, just I didn't know that he was going to step up in this way as a playoff guy, but he is a playoff player, and that's super cool. Next, uh, Christian Brown and Jeff Green each made key defensive plays. I think Christian stand out a little bit more than Jeff's, but Jeff was contesting. He was contesting KD. He was contesting Devin Booker. Did a lot of good things as a help defender on the weak side. Like he's a part of things as well and and he doesn't get a ton of the he he doesn't have people caping for him in the except for Matt Moore by the way, who loved Matt, but he tried to flame me last night when I when I had Devin Booker, I tweeted out that Devin Booker was 0-5 in the third quarter, and he screenshotted my tweet. He's like, yeah, hey, for everybody here, you can blame Ryan if, if that was if this game goes awry. But no, Matt's my guy. Matt's my guy, of course. Um, but yeah, Christian and Jeff. Christian always is going to have people caping for him, looking for the value things. Jeff is very rarely going to have that, but I thought that they were both fine. I thought they were both perfectly reasonable in the game last night. Uh, Christian, proper amount of aggressive on the offensive end, uh, didn't have a ton of possessions where he like tried to do too much, did have two turnovers. I don't remember if any of those were in, I think maybe one of those was in uh, garbage time, but I don't remember when those turnovers were off the top of my head. Uh, but the steal and, and dunk that he had in transition off of the Kevin Durant turnover, that's a big deal. Like Kevin Durant got a little bit lazy with that pass. And then that basically sealed it with about eight minutes left to go in the game. I think the Nuggets were up 24 at that point, somewhere close to that. And that's that's all she wrote. Like the, the Suns had nothing left to give at that point, which was great for Denver, fantastic for Denver. They were able to make that work. But Christian's just like he's adding to the team and, and adding to the defensive capabilities while he's out there. Uh just has to stay disciplined, has to stay locked in. He played better at home than he did on the road in games three and four. And I hope that he continues to to do that. Uh, Nikola Jokic had some high praise for him in the postgame pressers, by the way. Uh, he said, called him a winner. Called him, uh, yeah, just uh, if he had to use one word to describe Christian Brown, it's winner because of the way that he approaches everything, whether he's playing, whether he's, depending on how much playing time he gets, 
every every little bit of his approach is the same. You know that his mentality is going to be the same. You know that his aggressiveness on defense is going to be the same. It's always going to be locked in. You never have to tell him to amp it up. You never have to tell him to get in gear. And that's a really, really important thing. And so I think that Christian's going to be a player that Jokic loves to play with for a long time. And I, it would not surprise me if Christian ends up being the starting two guard for this team at some point in his career. Like that's that's on the table. And and he has the skill set, he has the capability, and he has the the mentality that Denver needs, that they want. So really impressive stuff from Christian Brown. Deserves a ton of credit for stepping up in that situation. Um also one more thing. I think that Murray going off ball in that second unit was a really big deal because there were plenty of opportunities for him to kind of step up and then try to be the ISO guy. There weren't a ton of isolation possessions from Jamal with that second unit, like there usually are. Like usually when it's the usually when it's Jamal with that second unit, and you've got guys like Christian and Bruce and Jeff and AG. Usually Jamal is in that situation where he feels like he has to create everything. And that's just not true, especially with Bruce playing the way that he was. You do not need to go into post-up mode. You do not need to go into isolation mode. There's no reason for it. There's there's plenty of opportunity to have dribble drives from both of those guys, creating for other people. Murray, I thought, did a good job of setting the table for Aaron Gordon at one point, for Bruce Brown at various points, for Jeff Green at various points. Didn't really set the table for Christian, but I, I think that was more opportunity rather than like not trying to set him up. Like he always looks for Christian and always look for him in the regular season. I know that. Uh, but look, it's just it's good to see that Denver, the way that they needed to win in game five was for Murray to be off the ball a little bit more, whether it was Jokic creating everything, Porter getting involved, Bruce Brown getting involved. It didn't always have to be Murray. And that's a really, really important factor here that. Denver can win in different ways. And whatever the game calls for is what you're supposed to do. It doesn't have to be the prime uh, two-on-two way that I think Jamal may have wanted to do it in games three and four. Like, that's that's important. That's an important bit of growth that look, Denver's team is better than Phoenix's team. But you've got to be able to show it. You've got to be able to prove it. And the way to prove it is to keep everybody involved. And Murray, I think, was a lot better with keeping everybody involved and not getting in everybody's way in that. And like, I'm a big Murray guy, of course. Like, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him put up these big, massive numbers, kind of like the bubble. But if that is not what the game takes, if that's not what the game needs, then don't get in the way of it. Just whatever whatever the game flow is, like, just be the guy that you need to be. And I thought Murray, after what was a pretty shaky first half, was a really good player there. Um. And his defense was better. Like his, his defense objectively was better in this last game. Nothing that you really needed to like actually look at there. And so I think I think Jamal was the weak point at times defensively, and that didn't really happen in game five. Sometimes like on, on the occasional Devin Booker like curl three, I think in the in the fourth quarter, that was one of the plays that he fell asleep. Everything else he was pretty locked in. Like Landry Shamit did not go off in this game, and I think. Jamal and then everybody just much more locked in this time around. So good stuff to see. All right, let's take one more break. When we come back, we are going to talk about things that Denver figured out in game five and and then talk about game six tomorrow, because I think that's going to be crazy. That's going to be a fun environment. 
Uh, Denver has a great opportunity to do some great things. But first, uh, I'm going to show you this clip from the Vic Lombardi show. Looks to me like the Nuggets figured out some stuff. Looks to me like Denver has figured out some things that they can actually benefit from going forward for the rest of the series, whether it is just game six or if it's game six and game seven. First of all, if there is a game seven, Denver's got a big advantage there because they've defended home court as well as they have. Anything can happen in a game seven, though, and if it's if it comes down to it. You know the Phoenix is going to get out out to Denver on Friday. They're going to try to get as acclimated to the altitude as possible. But I think that Denver can close this out in six. I think that they can win in Phoenix. They were very close in games three and four, much closer than Phoenix was to winning in Denver. So there's potential for Denver to close this game out in Phoenix on their home court uh, immediately after the Matt Ishbia Nikola Jokic situation. There's a lot that could go on, and I I think that they can definitely benefit from taking advantage of that. Because if you look at the other series, like, I mean, you don't want to look too far ahead. I think that Denver, hypothetically, let's say that, uh, let's say that Golden State wins game five against the Lakers. They're playing tonight. If Golden State wins, then they'll be down 3 2 still, because they're down 3 1 right now. But they'll extend it to six, and they would force the Lakers to have to win on Friday in their home building, which not a guarantee. Like it's 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 possible that Golden State still wins a road game in that series, and they they could still do it. They could they could come back from three one. There's no doubt about that. But if they are if the Lakers are able to win tonight, if the Lakers are able to win, you do not want to give them a whole bunch of rest and and have. The Suns force a Game 7 and then you win because you know that Game 1 of a Western Conference Finals would be on Tuesday. Like, Obviously, you can't think too far ahead on this situation, but if Denver's able to get it done, if Denver's able to figure some things, because they figure some things out, if they're able to capitalize on that and win on the road, you then don't give the Lakers this massive advantage. Like That would be the most important thing in this situation. You do not want to give them any benefit because if you remember back to the bubble, because Denver had to go to seven games and the Lakers got to rest after winning their previous series early, they benefited from that in the following game one. And Denver probably wouldn't have the same energy for a home game one that they would if they're able to get some off time. So we're going to have to see what it looks like. Uh, don't want to go too full ahead, but this is why Denver needs to, this is why they need to step up in this situation. Like they, they have an opportunity here. So I think that among the things that they figured out in Game 5, you have to pressure Devin Booker. You have to make him work. There is no way that you can just let him go uh, from a physical standpoint because he's too good. He's too good of an athlete. He's been playing 44 minutes a night on every single one of these games. You have to give yourself an opportunity to step up in those situations. And like Devin Booker is going to be a guy that steps up. At home, like he's going to play great. Don't make it easy on him to step up. Pressure in full court. 
do what you can to try to slow down the Phoenix offense. Do what you can to try to like, because a lot of what they've been able to do is run off of makes, not just misses. Like, they're running off of makes, inbounding the ball, getting it into the front court with like 22 seconds on the shot clock, and then running offense immediately. You do not want to let that happen. Like, slow them down, make them walk the ball up the floor, turn them around a little bit, and then that could give you the right pace that, that you're looking for in a, in a game six on the road. Next, getting Jamal Murray off the ball early in possessions. Uh, again, I, I want to go back to this play. In the first round, Nikhil Alexander-Walker did a great job against Jamal Murray. And so in game five, Denver decided, we're going to have Aaron Gordon bring the ball up the floor. We're going to have Nikola Jokic bring the ball up the floor. We are not going to have Jamal Murray bring the ball up the floor. And it benefited him greatly. He was fantastic in that game five win. Uh, Murray was. And that was a big, big deal. Denver needed that. They needed all of that. Do not like force Jamal to break full court pressure. Like There's no reason to try to do it. This is what Steph Curry does. Steph doesn't bring the ball up the floor all the time. He runs to the opposite floor. He runs to the opposite baseline, basically, and then figures out where he has to go from there. There's no reason to try to have Jamal do that when you know that Kevin Durant isn't going to pressure full court. You know that Devin Booker isn't going to pressure full court. Like Those guys... When they are guarding other people, like have KCP bring it up, have Jokic bring it up, have AG bring it up. Like there's no reason to have Jamal do that because it just tires him out, and there's no benefit from it. Like he's not breaking that press and, and immediately beating the defense. Like that's just not where he's at physically. So I think that Denver, if they can get that done, if they can force Devin Booker to slow down and they can get Jamal Murray to speed up, then they have a great, great chance. Next. Clearly getting Michael Porter Jr. going is a great idea. Like you want him to be involved early and often in the game because I think what we're seeing right now is defense is better when the offense is good. Like I, I as long as he doesn't like lose focus, which he hasn't really lately. When he is locked in on both ends of the floor, Denver is a different team. And Michael Porter Jr. sometimes will check out on the offensive end when he's not being involved in the possession. He'll just stand at the corner, he'll stand on the wing. He'll cut less he, when, when he feels like he's not going to get the ball when he cuts. doesn't really cut as much. And that's that's natural for everybody. It's not just a Michael Porter Jr. thing. So I think that he can absolutely benefit from when, when they can get him going, when they can uh, give him the ball early and then get him to make some shots, like take some rhythm jumpers, things like that. They are going to benefit. Like they're going to reap the long-term rewards because when he stepped up, it allowed – Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic allowed those guys to, hey, not as great in the first half, not as great in the first quarter. That's okay. Plenty of energy in the second half to really put the game away when when that called for it. Because what Michael Porter Jr. did in the first quarter, it was such a big deal. So that would be what I would do. I would continue to figure that out, try to keep him involved. And the last thing is just Nikola Jokic has done everything for this group. Like He's been fantastic. Games two, three, four, and five, he's been unbelievable. Game one, he had 24, 19, and five. Like, and that was a bad game because he was nine of 21. For the most part, Jokic has just been fantastic in this series. And he's been the best player in the league in this series. Like, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that he's been better than Devin Booker, as crazy as that sounds with the way that Devin Booker was playing. Jokic is his own version of greatness. 
and he has been fantastic, and, and the team trusts him to do everything that he can do uh, in those moments, and there's no reason not to. Like, I'm not breaking ground here. I'm not breaking news here when, when I say trust Nikola Jokic in the second half, but what that means to me is like you cut out the possessions where Aaron Gordon's going one-on-one, cut out the possessions where Michael Porter Jr. is going one-on-one, where Jamal Murray's going one-on-one. There's no reason for that. Get the ball to Jokic, have him dictate, get an advantage, and he'll pass guys open. He will pass him, or he'll cut. He will get to great spots where he can convert himself. And you know that he's going to bring it. You know he's going to be absolutely fantastic in those moments. Like that's just going to be important. So we will have to see what happens here. But those are the four things. Like you got to pressure Devin Booker full court, got to get Jamal Murray off the ball. You've got to get Michael Porter Jr. going, and you've got to trust Nikola Jokic. Like, that's just how it's got to be. And I think there's no reason why it wouldn't be that. So far this series, the home team has held serve in every single game. Can Game 6 be where that flips? I don't know. I don't know what that's what that's ultimately going to look like. I think that Denver has a great opportunity here for them to step up in that regard. Whether they actually do or not remains to be seen. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost. Like, I mean, that's just who this team is, right? Like, sometimes they'll get comfortable. Sometimes they'll get complacent. And the other team, when they are playing with more desperation, they will step up in those moments. That's okay. Like, it, I think in Game 6, you would want to be able to close it out. That would be fantastic if you could. It would definitely benefit Denver, like I talked about. Definitely benefit them if they stepped up in those moments. However, the Suns have been fantastic at home. They've been great. It just that just is what it is, and, and Denver's got to survive that. They have to figure that out. They can if they do some of the things that I talked about. If they continue to just play well, if Kevin Durant doesn't go off, like and Kevin Durant's been mostly held down during this series. Could he be fantastic in Game Six? Could he be the best player on the floor in Game Six? Absolutely, he's Kevin Durant. Like this is this is not rocket science. But if Denver continues to play the way that they played in Game Five. Maybe the role players don't play as well. Maybe Phoenix's role players play better. It's going to be a close game. Just like all the games in Phoenix have been close. Denver has an opportunity here where they can they can do it. They can do it if they can, if they want to. But they're going to have to push it over the top. Jokic is probably going to have to be the guy. And maybe Murray's going to have to make more clutch shots. He didn't make as many clutch shots in these last uh, two Phoenix games. Maybe Porter. Like he had a couple opportunities to make clutch shots. Got to make them. Got to make them this time around. Denver can do that. Those guys are talented enough. Those guys are good enough. They know what's expected of them. They've got to step up. But I do think it's going to be a war. You know that Devin Booker at the end of Game 5, Kevin Durant at the end of Game 5, these guys were frustrated as hell. They were mad. They were frustrated. Denver was playing. They were outplaying them consistently. They were under their skin. Durant shoving Jokic the way that he did. Jokic flopping like Matt Ishbia. That was hilarious, by the way. Uh, it's going to be a lot of that. This, there's there's a little bit of bad blood percolating between these teams. Like These teams do not like each other. and That's what happens at the end of a series where both teams have been great in this series. Let's be honest. like Both teams have been fantastic, and they've put on an absolute show. But now Denver has an opportunity to take control. Uh, they've already taken control of the series, and they have an opportunity to put Phoenix away. Phoenix is not going to go quietly. You know that Devin Booker is going to do every single thing that he can to fight, scratch, and claw his way. Uh, Kevin Durant has been in these situations before, has stepped up in these situations before, 
and he's really, really freaking good. Like, even with the defense that AG has been playing, like, he can absolutely have a game. Like, Kevin Durant could be the guy. Chris Paul, maybe he comes back in game six. I actually don't think that that's a great thing for Phoenix, but giving them another option could help. It absolutely could help. And, and if he makes three of four threes, then that could be, like, that could absolutely be a thing. You don't know what Chris Paul's going to do. Do I think that Denver will target him defensively every single time that he's on the court? Yeah. And I don't think that Chris Paul will step up in that situation. Knock on wood. We will see what they actually end up doing. But I do think that Denver, they know they're going to get the best possible Phoenix effort. They know that those guys are going to pressure full court. They are going to try to get under Jokic's skin. They'll flop every single time that Jokic is uh, is in the lane. They'll try to draw offensive fouls, and Denver's going to be in for it. It's going to be really, really tough. Every single closeout game is, but I do think that Denver has an opportunity here, and they cannot waste it because Game Sevens anything can happen, anything, absolutely anything. So if you are the Nuggets, you do not want to let that happen. You want to take care of business here, and they can. I know that they had opportunities to win game three and four. They had that. If they win game six, makes up for it. Going to be great. We will ultimately see what happens. But for now, folks, I think that is going to do it on this episode. Gone 50 minutes here. I think that's the right call. Uh, everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Uh, y'all have been fantastic to me. Uh, thank you for hanging out. Sorry that I didn't go live last night. I had a couple technical difficulties. It is what it is. But in general, uh, if Denver does get this game done on Thursday night, I will go live that night. And it's going to be great. Like we're going to be able to celebrate it. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to the podcast on this time. I will talk to you guys very soon.